0: I begin by giving you my standard Unitarian Universalist pulpit disclaimer, reminding me that I will say some things here today that uh, will not be said in any other church, not only today, but probably never. Uh, We will discuss issues today that cannot be discussed in any other church, but by doing that, uh, you then are responsible For within your own range of experiences of taking these thoughts and ideas and deciding how to apply them or not to apply them in your own life, I further want to acknowledge that most everything I say or think about I find is a product of things that I've seen or heard from others. Uh, I would like to think that from time to time there's an original thought or two, but uh, I doubt it very seriously. Somewhere or another, there was something that I heard or saw from somebody else that put those things in my mind. If I can recall specific things, I try to give credit. But uh, I hope no one will be offended if they find that you previously told me something and I've picked it up here today and treated it as my own. The genesis for this service... um, comes from a newspaper article that appeared in the Times uh, entitled, A Jewish Debate Persist, Did Moses Exist? There is a Jewish encyclopedia that apparently only is republished every ten years or so. And in the most recent edition, uh, there are challenging theologians debating the issue of whether Moses was real or not. Uh, One of those in arguing contends that if traditional accounts of the origin of Judaism had not recorded a founder such as Moses, analogy would have required postulating him, and that is probably what happened when ancients wrote the Bible. Now, that begs an interesting question of how much of religious theology, how much of Religious history, as is presented to us, uh, is even supposed to be true, versus that which is simply created for the purpose of, of, of meeting a certain end. Shortly, well, within a few weeks after seeing that article, uh, my son received an email. From a woman, and a very fine woman, who had been trying to help him with some of his diabetic problems. And um, she sent him what is on the cover of your program today. Now, how many of you have previously seen that picture in an email that's been floating around for some time on the Internet? If you've seen that previously, would you raise your hand? Okay, not, not as many as I thought. Uh, it's called... God's hands, and when she sent it to him, she sent it as if she had written the following words. I took this picture on Highway 30, traveling to London, Kentucky. It has given me strength in the times of trouble. I feel I should share it with the rest of the world. I hope it it is an inspiration to you, too. It just goes to show what we already know. We have a God, and he's watching over us. Then she goes on to say, I emailed this picture to News Channel 36. I was contacted by meteorologist John James. He said that this picture of the sky is showing up in all states uh, around the country. He wanted to know where I was from and where I took it. He saw a similar picture taken in Texas. He said this is amazing to him. So this was sent to my son as if she was writing these words. My son, who I will admit is a cynic, not unlike his father, wrote back to her, not to step on anyone's faith here, but this picture is clearly a fake. I work with Photoshop every day of the week and could recreate this from a picture of clouds any day using just the clone tool. I was interested, so I did a little research on the web and found some relative hard proof that this is a fake photo. Visit www.snopes, and then he then gives the full uh, URL address, to get an article about this. Not to step on anyone's beliefs, but internet hoaxes are one of my pet peeves. Good day, Chris. Now, that's part of the story is already told, but there's another chapter because then she responded, and it was her response that I found shocking on top of shock. That's cool, Chris. My husband is a web designer, and he told me the same. Lots of luck. Take care and hope all is well. In other words, she knew when she originally sent this that it was fake. She knew all along that it was not valid. And apparently in later conversation, she had not had, an, had acknowledged that she had already gone to Snopes.com to find out that it was a total fraud, that the photo first had come uh, out of pictures of Hurricane Charlie uh, some years previous, and that the original wording, I took this picture on Highway 30 traveling to London, Kentucky, had originated at least five years prior. Now, the point in saying this is that, and going through this, is to point out that here's a case where there's obviously a well intentioned woman, but because of her religious fervor, she does not hesitate to lie or intentionally mislead to try to make her point. Now, we see this every day on the Internet. And in fact, what I've tried to postulate here today is this. I've tried to look back at religious truth as it has been represented through time. And I've tried to look forward because I think I can better predict going forward than I can predict going back. And you say, that's A little bit ridiculous, but let me tell you why. On the Internet, things are happening so fast and so furious that we can check and cross-check things now in a matter of seconds that used to it would be decades before we could try to discern the truth. So let me ask you this. How many of you get emails all the time that you question the validity of them. Raise your hand if you find that to be true. How many of you have learned to go to Snopes.com or to TruthOrFiction.com? Because I strongly encourage you, whenever you get one of these emails which makes these claims, that you always check them out to find out the validity of them. How many times have we gotten uh, emails that uh, somebody's dying of leukemia and needs to have our support, or that they need for us to uh, forward emails, and Bill Gates will send us $25 per email. You know, we've got to learn to begin seeking the truth. But the difference going forward, as opposed to going back, is we can do it in a compressed manner in time. Now, if we see the shenanigans and all that are going on now in this compressed time of just the last 15 years of the Internet. Think of all the shenanigans that have gone on, not only over the last 2,000 years, but over the last eons of time, in which all of the prejudices have been able to be worked in to the agendas of the various people involved. Now, I'll give you just one more quick example here. How many of you have heard the story about the, the little boy who was told that his sister was dying, but if that if he would donate some of his blood, that she could take it and that she would be able to live. And that in the process of doing that, it was clear that the little boy thought that he was sacrificing his life so that his sister could live. Now, how many of you heard that story? Okay, I first heard it at Queensborough Baptist Church I would say 1955. As it turns out, it recently has come through the internet as if it's current and real. When you go to Snopes.com, of course, I knew it was fake because I'd heard it 50 years ago. When you go to Snopes.com, it will tell you it goes back as early as 1915, and that all of these stories that are, are meant to pull at your heartstrings have all been contrived and are not real. Now, probably in the email deal, the thing which aggravates me the most is is one that I get over and over where people will present a certain email and then they will end up with the remember only two people have ever uh, agreed to sacrifice their life for for your benefit. One is Jesus Christ on the cross and the other is the American military. Now, have y'all seen any of those? Do y'all get those regularly? I bet I've gotten 50 of those in the last year. What galls me about that is do they not realize there are hundreds of suicide bombers who are going out there blowing themselves up every day, sacrificing their life for a cause? Uh, Certainly not one that I think is valid. But do they not see uh, the fallacy of their arguments of comparing the military and Jesus Christ on the cross Uh, When all of this is going on in the world today. Now, I give you only those examples from the Internet of things that bother me. Further, talking about the Internet, because I want to talk about the mean spirit of the Internet. Anonymity is a very dangerous thing, as evidenced by the two examples I'll give you briefly. You have probably heard of these, but they will make my point. And attractive, these both are, by the way, uh, true, absolutely true stories that are are not emailed. Thing. These occurred because of internet activity. One is an attractive teenage girl committed suicide after a chat room dialogue in which she thought she was communicating with a teenage boy. Uh, and when that conversation changed from being flirtatious and positive to being the total put down of the girl, she committed suicide. It turns out the communication she thought was coming from the boy was instead coming from the mother of one of her female high school rivals. After the girl's death and the discovery of who had actually been on the other end of the line, so to speak, the DA decided that there weren't even any charges to be filed here. What type of a mean spirit would do that? The answer is, when you're anonymous, you might do a number of things. Further, an attractive teenage girl was killed in a horrific automobile accident in which her body was decapitated. Photos and videos were taken by police uh, as would be required by law, but, of course, never published, not even to the family. Unfortunately, some perverted soul not only published the family, got access to them and published them on the Internet, but began a series of harassing actions toward the family. In one case, the father received an email supposedly from a real estate agent with a link that when he clicked upon it, immediately the picture of his decapitated daughter popped up right in front of him on the screen. So what is this, this thing called the Internet, which is exposing to us some of the fallacies of information that we're receiving, some of the dangers of it? Look at all the blogs that are out there now. Oftentimes they are nameless, faceless, nobody knows who is saying what on the blog, but not only are they being quoted on the inner circle of the Internet, They're being quoted in the Shreveport Times every day of the week. Do you realize that if you go to the editorial page of the Shreveport Times, they will show you blog entries from people that you do not have a signed name to them? What an irony that after years of debate and sparring about the anonymous tell-the-times feature in the newspaper and the ultimate decision that it was inappropriate because it was anonymous, that now the Times once again runs all sorts of anonymous blog postings. Here's another thing which just blows my mind. How many of you are familiar with Yahoo Answers? Is anyone here familiar with Yahoo Answers? Yahoo Answers is a very interesting uh, deal. It actually, on the Yahoo homepage, it's uh, normally at the top of their list of little features that you can click on over there. Uh, It is a way that you can get totally non-substantiated answers to any question that you or anybody else might answer. Anyone can ask a question. Anyone can give an answer. And after a set period of time, they ask the participants to vote on which answer is best. (laughs) One step further, Yahoo actually has in their headlines. The other day, I apologize that I lost it and I cannot tell you what the specific... Title of the headline was, but it asked the question, "How do astronauts do such and so?" And it was a, it was the type of inquiry that sort of piqued your interest and you wanted to know. And then when you clicked to find out the answer, it turns out that the answer didn't come from NASA. It didn't come from astronauts. The answer was what various people, strangers people who might have been telling the truth, might have been lying, or might have had an agenda, might not, had put in there, and then the answer that they gave was the correct answer was the one that had been voted best by the participants. What type of reality are we coming to when that's a headline? Now, when we're trying to figure out what is truth... I want to interject briefly the concept of faith. And as you all know, I talked too long. I apologize about that. I'll try to rush on through this. Truth is irrelevant to religion if the religion is based purely on faith. Now, that's really a pretty profound statement. A religion based purely on faith uh, has no dependence whatsoever upon the truth. And I ask the question, is faith the inverse, the opposite of critical thinking? If we look at the continuum, uh, in fact, I would argue that this is one of those things in life that is a continuum. And I've used a continuum concept before to talk about whether you're pro-abortion or uh, whether you're pro-choice or, or uh, pro-life and whether you're uh, uh, gay or straight, that th- these things in life... I doubt if anybody is 100% gay or straight, there's a continuum, and probably everybody's somewhere here one way or another. Same thing's true about your stance on abortion. There are very few people who are absolutely for abortion, no matter what circumstances. I doubt if there's anybody who's totally opposed to it under 1,000% of the times. But there's a continuum, and everybody's got to ask, where are we in that continuum? Well, I believe that the question of faith and critical thinking also creates a continuum. Because I doubt that any of us, no matter how rigorously intellectual we are, Bill Yankee, I doubt that any of us are so intellectually oriented that we don't have any faith at all within our thinking process. And the same thing is true. I doubt that there's anyone who is 100% faith-based that they're going to look at reality, Uh, although there are people who would step in front of the moving train if the voices told them to do so. Um, Most people, I I pray, would not do that. One of the unique things about being Unitarian is we dare to do two things in regards to this issue of the faith-critical thinking continuum. The first one is we acknowledge that it exists. The second one is, is that we dare to explore that continuum. We dare to honestly accept the fact that in this room, probably if, if we could measure where we were in the continuum, we would all be at different places, and we accept that, we relish that, we support that, and we encourage uh, each individually crosswise in, in recognition of that. Now, I want to identify some of the reasons that I am skeptical that r- the religious writings of the past have have the validity with which they're represented. The first thing is they've all been filtered through other humans. Uh, if they are divinely inspired, then certainly God himself didn't. I, I, no one's seen the stone carved that was exactly done by some mystical spirit. Uh, the second thing, well, I have a whole list of words here that I'm just going to throw at you to tell you why I think that information from the past is probably bogus. First of all, people who have been involved with these things are interested in having power and control over other people. Of course, that's the very definition of politics, is the study of power. I would also argue that it probably, in fact, I don't think I've ever said this, that this is good. (laughs) The first sentence in the political science book is that, Politics is the study of power. Let me tell you that I'm not so sure that it wouldn't be valid to say that religion is also the study of power. As frightening as I think it is, I fear that too much of our history is that power has been what was the motivating force between religion and religious experience. Then there's religious fervor. Like I described a lady who was willing to lie in order to try to convince my son that those hands were the hands of God. There are those who always have an agenda, and uh, heaven knows what agenda everybody has, whether it be liberal or conservative, uh, Democrat or Republican, uh, or whatever. Uh, Everybody has their own agenda. Then there are the two issues that in the stock market come up every day, fear and greed. They say that every stock market decision is based on one of two things, either the fear you're going to lose money or the greed that you want to make money. And the next one is rumor. Uh, people love to spread rumors. And how many times have you played the game where you started a rumor at one side of the circle and came around to see what the story was when it got to the other side of the room? How many of you have had that happen in real life where you yourself started a rumor and were shocked when it came back around to you to find out, holy cow, I started that rumor. I knew it wasn't true, but now it's being told as if it's the fact. Another one is the use of magic over the years. There uh, Uri Geller made a fortune convincing the world that he could spend, uh, that, that he could bend spoons simply, simply by telekinesis. If you go to YouTube today, you can see at least two, actually there are some that you have to pay for, but there are at least two that I've found that are free ways that show you exactly how spoons are bent all the time. But we're all vulnerable that many times a magician will let you know that what they're doing is magic, But sometimes people have unscrupulously used magic to make points and not bother to tell you that, by the way, it was illustrative. It was not factual. I've read three books uh, in the Subliminal Seduction series by Brian Wilson Keyes. If you haven't ever read them, the first one is entitled Subliminal Seduction. The second one is The Clamplate Orangy. And the third one is Media Sexploitation. These three books will change the way you think about the advertising you see every day. With all the manipulative techniques that are going on in advertising today, when you look back over the history of mankind and think that something that was supposedly originated 2,000 years ago is true, do we really think that's possible? We know that there are sinister forces, not just manipulative forces, but sinister forces. Our CIA... Uh, other spy organizations in the world who are trying to intentionally change information. Sometimes it's done for entertainment value. Uh, the movie JFK uh, by the director who is known for doing this, Oliver, Oliver Stone, thank you, uh, he is known for dramatizing historical fact. So that they say that most young people today think that what happened in that movie is what really happened with the death of JFK which uh, may or may not be true, but my guess is it probably is not true, having seen the movie. Sometimes the changes in history and and representation of information that comes is intentional, but sometimes it's accidental. Sometimes it's just flat. We make mistakes. We make errors. Uh, uh, Sometimes there is maliciousness, as I've described before. Explain why hackers spend hours, if not days and weeks, finding out how to hack into other people's business for the sole purpose of destroying it. I cannot understand it. But if it's happening in the Internet today, do you think that the analogous thing has not happened historically as religious truth was supposedly passed on to us? Urban legends, they are legion. Urban legends, they are legion. Uh, And I strongly encourage, if you're interested at all, there are so many urban legends described in the Snopes.com website, the other one is uh, mental deviants—people who are just flat crazy, like some of these people that I told about, who were sending uh, out these horrible things. The other one is practical jokes. Have you ever had a practical joke go sour on you? Now, having said these things, we know that Greek and Roman mythology are ripe with stories that parallel their later Christian counterparts—the virgin birth of a hero who would rescue the world was not a new story, nor the story of the God-figure who was killed and resurrected from the bowels of the earth three days hence. You know, we, when we look back, we know that those stories have been historically around. We know uh, that basically uh, so much of what has been represented as truth has not turned out to be that way. Let me ask you these questions. Was Moses real? Was Christ real? Are their stories valid? What about Mohammed? What about uh, Mary Baker Eddy? What about L. Ron Hubbard, who created Scientology? And if you read about Scientology, uh, not through their material, but through the biographies of L. Ron Hubbard, you'll find out that he was a science fiction writer who created Scientology sort of as a practical joke. What about Martin Luther King? Uh, is is the, the legend of Martin Luther King, does it represent what actually was the man, the real person, or is, it, is the legend, has it taken on a life of its own? So how authentic are their histories, and how authentic will they be in 50 years, 200 years, 500 years, or 2,000 years? Now, obviously, I'm not only a skeptic when I look back at religious truth, I'm pretty darn sure that most religious teachings taught as truth are contrived at best, bogus at worst. If religious truth, as has been represented by our religious leaders throughout history, is indeed true, I believe it is totally accidental at best. And the microcosm that the Internet has allowed us to see proves to me that what is purported to be true over thousands of years just ain't so, at least not as historically accurate facts. Now, I've told you my conclusion here is that religious truth should be true, but it I don't think it has been true. So the question is, what do we do about it? What is my conclusion? What does that mean for me if I don't think it's true? Well, the common denominator in every search for religious truth is not any book, whether it be the Bible, the Torah, the Quran, the works of Shakespeare, etc., nor any great uh, collection of spoken or sung words, whether by speech, sermon, movie, TV, Broadway, play, etc., poetry, reading, even newspapers, magazines. Instead, the common denominator is you. Not the collective we now. I'm saying the common denominator is you within yourself. You with your brain and your range of experiences, your passion, your fears. Remember, you are a product of the loins of your parents and their parents and their parents and so forth, going back to the beginning of time when the source of creation, which I call God, but I hope that that will not offend you, just like it will not offend me if you don't call that ultimate source of creation God. Breathe life into existence, and I don't mean that literally either, in a way in a form that I cannot possibly comprehend. But real truth, real scripture, is not something written or spoken. Instead, we, by being the product of, of history itself. We are Scripture. So having said that, I encourage you to listen, to observe, to inquire, to study all you can. But in the end, I think the best source of religious truth is to trust yourself. Follow the conviction of your own heart and soul I say again, follow the conviction of your own heart and soul, tempered and tested by the serious inquiry of your own intelligence, your own mind, your own range of experiences. And I believe that that is where we will find real religious truth.